0: Good morning and welcome to Worship at Hillhead. Our minister Katrina is doing the kilt walk this morning as we speak. And our service will be led by our good friend Jim Gordon. It's lovely to have him and Sheila back with us. Today we will also hear Will reading scripture. Ian will lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Um, I will be leading our prayers for others and shortly Edith will light our candle. On the family news front, a number of us had a chance to say farewell to our brother Ken and uh, this past Tuesday, and we will want to keep Barbara in our continuous prayers, her and family, as they continue to grieve and to learn new patterns of life. Please would you also keep in your prayers Tamara and Hannah and their boys in Germany. And if there are any other pastoral news or updates, please let us know. Katrina is not here this morning, but a number of us managers are here. Um, so do share if there is anything that um, you would like the church to know or to pray. Next week, Katrina will be leading our service, and we will be welcoming Laura into membership. So that will be a really joyous occasion. She's doing something exciting this weekend, isn't she? She's, re- she's relaxing. She's retreating. <laughs> and I'm sure she'll, she'll be able to tell us how it went when, when we see her next week. And so now it's time for Edith to light our candle. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day.
1: morning. It's a while since I was here, and I'm trying hard not to worry about what I said the last time, that it's taken so long to be able to come back. Uh, but we know the pandemic and various things got in the way. It's always a feeling of, of coming home, uh, coming to Hillhead Baptist Church. And I think it's helpful to say why I feel that way. Uh, and it is that I first preached in Hillhead Baptist Church in 1970. I think Ari e. White set that up. And I was a young student, and when I came around the church, some of the people who were there then are still here now. And there are almost lifetimes of friendship woven through that. So that's one of the reasons why I feel coming here is like coming home. And just an anecdote which I hadn't intended to share because it didn't occur to me, but I'm going to now. I've just been saying to Graham and Stuart that when I was 15 and an upstart and a teenager at church under protest and there because I had been in considerable trouble with various authorities and others uh, and the preacher that Sunday was a man called Fergus Little. So for three generations, one way or another, I've known that family. And I could say that about a number of other families here. So for those of you who don't either know me or know the history of my relationship with the church here, these are part of the threads that began to be woven into a tapestry of a very long friendship between this community and myself. And I'm very grateful to be back with you. And thank you for the invitation. So... We come to pray, and as we do, I hope you were slightly surprised at singing a first verse that sounded like a Christmas carol. Because it's chosen because of its last verse. Bethlehem leads eventually to Calvary. And Calvary, surprisingly, leads to a garden and an empty tomb. And that line of sheer genius cleared his throat and ended silence. We're talking this morning about resurrection, but in order to get there, you can't bypass the brokenheartedness that lies at the heart often of human life and that we bring to the one who is the resurrected risen Lord and offer that, that we may again learn to hope and love and rejoice. Let's pray together. God, our loving Father, the one in whose presence we feel safe, the one in whose love we are confident, the one whose purposes we trust. We gather together in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, whom we have known as the Word made flesh and dwelling amongst us. Whom we have learned is the one who teaches us what human life can be, how it can be lived, and how it can become the rich gift of life being offered back to the one who first gave that life to us. And we gather together in the communion of the Holy Spirit whose love is poured into our hearts and that love overflows into service in life to others. And so as we gather to worship you, we offer you our deepest thanksgiving for all that has been good in our lives and for those times and experiences that have not only challenged us in our faith, but at times have even made us wonder about what hope is until we come again to that love from which nothing can separate us. And so in our worship, we open our hearts to you and we express our own love in return. Thank you for the precious, beyond-description gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the fellowship that we share with each other in him and with Christians all over the world and down through the centuries of time. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our life as a community of your people and in our individual lives as we seek to follow faithfully after Christ crucified and risen. We think of those who are not here today in person but who gather with us and who are therefore part of the same communion of saints. And we ask that the blessing of the Holy Spirit may fall upon each of us and upon all of us. So take what we offer, little as it is, and as loaves and fish, multiply our gifts and our energy, our commitments, our faith, our hope and our love, and enable us to become those who distribute bread to the hungry and life to those who seek life more abundant. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant us your blessing. Open our hearts to your presence. Open our minds and our understanding to your truth. And may we go from here, renewed in faith and hope and love, following after, our risen Lord, who goes ahead of us. Amen. So let us join in saying the
2: prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And uh, we invite you to say the Lord's Prayer in whatever language uh, is
1: easiest to you, or is your preference. So let us join together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're going to learn a new word today. It's not really a word, but it is a word. At least after today, you're going to know this word. I've always been fascinated by the Apostle Peter, because Peter was somebody who made a lot of mistakes, who had to apologize a lot, who put his foot in it, and didn't always extract his foot from it. By the time you get to the end of Mark's Gospel, it's quite obvious that Peter is one of those people whose heart is huge, whose intentions are good, and who, when it comes to implementing his intentions, sometimes not so good. Later, we're going to come to the ending of Mark's Gospel, and the statement at the penultimate verse of this earliest gospel. Before we do that, I wanted to take you back in the story to where Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Just listen to these words. You will all fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee, Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the cock crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted, emphatically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. That wee bit at the end is often forgotten. All the others said the same. But the important thing is that Jesus said when he died and rose again, he would go before them into Galilee. That brings us to Hige. Can you see it? (laughs) Right, now this is a resurrection affirmation. This is not the time to wobble. This is the time to feel confident that what you're going to say is a real word. Hege. Hege. Better. What you see is a studio study of a resurrection panel in a private chapel. The studio study sits in my study on a bookshelf. It's about... Sandy Stoddart is behind that studio study. The two angels. That kind of Relaxed. No big deal. Lounging back. Who are you looking for? He's not here. You're too late. He's risen. And then the words, he is going ahead of you. He gay. He is going ahead of you you so when you hear the word Hege, that's the promise that you're affirming he is going ahead of you Hige. he gay you don't sound very sure but you will by the end of the service <laughs> because we're coming back to that confrontation post-resurrection of Jesus and puzzled perplexed broken-hearted followers because resurrection always stands on the other side of Calvary, Gethsemane, Galilee, and Bethlehem, which is why we started with the hymn we began with. We sing again, come sing of the springtime. <laughs>
2: reading is from Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week when the Sun had risen they went to the tomb they had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid.
1: So Jesus said to the disciples that he was going to Jerusalem to die and they would want nothing to do with him. And I guess it's difficult for us to put ourselves in the position of a group of men gathered with Jesus. There were women there too, but they're not mentioned who have invested their entire lives for the last several years in what Jesus is about. And here he says, not only that he's going to leave them, but he'll do so with them denying their allegiance to him. Trauma is one of the most disconcerting, disorienting experiences the human mind and spirit, can experience when the world is upended because what made the world stable has been taken away. And when you're as upset as that, you don't actually listen to what's being said to you because your head is full of other stuff. And you can't concentrate. You have what might be called impaired retention. So I wonder if they've taken time to think back after the crucifixion, to that conversation where Jesus said I will go ahead of you to Galilee. And as always, Peter promises more than he can deliver because that's who Peter is. And he missed that important promise, it would seem. I am going ahead of you into Galilee, you will find me there. And sometimes when life caves in on us, and it does sometimes, like Peter, it's hard to concentrate on what will bring life back to a stable equilibrium. And you feel that what Jesus says here is actually very real, that in those moments when life becomes incomprehensibly difficult, faith is hard to cling to, and the presence of God is hard to feel. And when that happens, we end up speaking our concerns, our anxieties, our grief, our sorrows over the promise. We don't hear the promise, I am going ahead of you into Galilee. So there's something very real, psychologically accurate about that statement of Jesus to the disciples, their responses all the way through the trial, the crucifixion, and its aftermath. And no wonder Mark's Gospel finishes with the word afraid. They went out, said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. But they'd heard the promise and i wonder if you noticed in the reading when the angel said go and tell the disciples and peter make sure you tell peter make sure he's sitting down make sure he's actually listening repeat it if you need to but tell peter he is going ahead of you he is going ahead of you he gay, he gay. I told you you'd get better at this. He is going ahead of you into Galilee and so the trauma, which is real, the ache, the grief, the sadness which suffocates thought and hope and the capacity to strategize a future is put alongside a promise which at the moment is quite hard to recall and to trust because loss brings disorientation. And you feel that maybe that stable equilibrium of life can never be recovered. Is there a future worth having? Yes, of course there is, but it doesn't feel like that just now. Are all plans dismantled? Well, they're certainly fairly seriously adjusted and may have to be readjusted. Are all our hopes crushed under whatever has happened to us? It feels like that. And there are weights of circumstances that we know we can do nothing about. We will have to live them, live through them, live with them, and live beyond them. And Mark's message to all of that, when you get to this last part of his gospel, is something like this, and I'll come to it in a moment. But first of all, you need to know that I have an apron at home, which sometimes I wear, usually when I'm cooking. And it says on it, Man cooking, be calm. (laughs) And the angel's message to those who came to the tomb is stay calm and listen to the promise. He is going ahead of you. Right, we're going to do that again because you're going to be doing it a few more times. And there are people, our friends, who are online who are not hearing the joy in your voice. And if you're online, then you say the same thing. He is going ahead of you. Now we're there. The risen Lord Jesus is keeping his promise by the time you get to Mark chapter 16. I will go ahead of you in Galilee. You will find me there. Go and tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you he gay if that's true here's a question where will you be this time tomorrow all being well that we're all still alive what will you be doing who will you be interacting with he is going ahead of you Hige. that means that wherever you are Tomorrow, at this time, indeed, after this service, indeed, from now on, the risen Lord Jesus is keeping his promise to the disciples and to you and to us. So look for him tomorrow and see him in the kindness of others. Look for him tomorrow and hear him in words That speak deep into who you are and deepen your trust and your faith in Christ. Or what about hospital appointments and medical appointments and tests and results? He is going ahead of you. He is going ahead of you. Right. Where you work, the anxieties and the pressures and the tensions of just having to get on with people again who are hard to get on with, or responsibilities that weigh heavier as the weeks pass, or deadlines that become stressors that are hard to bear. The frictions, the demands, the expectations, the sheer demandingness of the kind of work that some people have to do these days, and some of you are here, take a bit of carrying. So he is going ahead of you. One that's quite close to home, I'm growing older. It's a long, long time since I heard Fergus Little preach that sermon on Joshua in 1966, December, I think. And you begin to notice certain limits to what you can do that you used to be able to do. To the range and energy that you're able to bring to bear on whatever it is you want to do. It's part of the way life is. It's part of being human, to grow older. And it's hard to like it. But you have to because it's who you are. And you want to retain your independence and you want to be the person who supports others rather than the person who is supported. And in all the anxieties that can sometimes arise out of how do we deal with our diminishing resources of energy and all that goes with that, he is going ahead of you. He And then there's these relationships. You know, the ones that you're glad you have and sometimes you wish you didn't. Sometimes relationships demand more of us than we feel able to give. And I think of the stories of Jesus and the people that he related to. The people that he invested himself in, these disciples. The folk he helped. See that story about the woman And the throwaway comment, which is not a throwaway comment, she touched him and Jesus felt virtue, energy, strength go out of him. All of us have relationships that do that to us. And thank God that we can sometimes be to others a source of strength and healing and guidance and companionship. And even if we can't do anything, to reassure them they're not alone in where they are or what they're doing. But relationships can sometimes be amongst the most difficult spiritual disciplines that we have to live with. And that's true if you're a parent of children, or if you're children looking after parents, if there are grandchildren, there's this whole entangled mess of human relationships where your heart is held hostage by love. And so you'll keep on going, you'll keep on loving, you'll keep on helping and supporting, you'll keep on giving out of yourself so much as you can because you're a follower of Jesus and he is going ahead of you. Or maybe for some people and certainly for a lot of people now, leaving school, going to university, graduating from university. Those pivotal moments in life where you make a choice And you hope that the choice you've made will bring you to the place that you dream of, because that's why you made the choice in the first place. And all the excitement and uncertainty of leaving home, of beginning to stand on your own two feet, whatever that's supposed to mean. But he's going ahead of you. I think it's important when we're reading this story of the resurrection that we always put it alongside the broken-heartedness of the crucifixion. And perhaps more than anything, the broken-hearted tension of Gethsemane. The recoil of Jesus from what lay ahead is not a failure of love, It's a profound understanding of consequences and what must be born to bring forgiveness and life and to renew a broken creation. So bereavement is, for all of us, a hard place to be. The desolate country of grief and lonely places. I have a friend whom I've only ever met once. And I first came across this friend in 2007, January, the first time I put up a blog post on Living wittily And Christine from Danone was one of the first people to comment on those posts. And ever since, we've been in touch either through the blog and more recently, recently? well, certainly in the last seven or eight years, on Facebook. Now, I only ever met her and her husband once, at a Dunedin concert of music in the Kelvin Grove Art Gallery. She writes poems. She writes good poems. And one or two of them are some of the best poems I know on some passages of scripture. I want you to hear one of her poems. It's called The Hand, and it's a resurrection poem that recognizes the relationship between our resurrection hope and our experiences of bereavement. And in the darkness, a hand grasped mine, solid and unsentimental. No lover's hold or warm caress, but firm and guiding. The hand of one who knew the road's turning over the depths and following. I saw as light grew stronger, whose hand I held. For in the path's dust The red blood flowered. In the path's dust, the red blood flowered. Out of the sacrifice of the cross, the giving of life in resurrection. He gave. He gave. So, resurrection, let's go back there, is not when we as Christians confess Jesus is Lord. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. It's not just something that happened then. He is risen. It's something that is happening, that's happened and stays happening. Or to put it in the words of that very wise football pundit of a past generation, Andy Gray, when he hits a ball, it stays hit. When we talk about he is risen, we're talking about an enduring fact of life. Jesus is risen. Faith and trust in his promise that he's going ahead of us, that he would go before us, that we will see him there, we will meet him there. That is the message of Mark's Gospel. Resurrection. Stay calm and listen to the angel. He is going ahead of you. Here's the thing He walks ahead of us with wounded feet. That's the thought that's at the end of Christine's poem. In the dust, the blood flowered. The one who walks ahead of us walks with wounded feet and the paths we tread in our lives sometimes already our own feet feel at times wounded feet but we follow on we keep travelling we keep our eyes fixed on the one after whom we seek to faithfully follow because he is going ahead of you and I want to finish with a couple of stories. Alice White died just short of her 100th birthday. She was a member in Montrose, but before that, she and Bill had been minister in a number of our Baptist churches up here and down south. And in the retirement years, they moved around quite a bit because it was difficult to find a place where they felt they could settle and where they'd be near family. Alice once told me that she had written down one of the hymns that she wanted to have at her funeral. And she told me what it was. And yes, we sung it at her funeral. All the way my saviour leads me. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercies? Who through life has been my guide? These first four lines. He is going ahead of you. All the way my saviour leads me. And we might walk 500 miles but the one who goes ahead of us will walk 500 more with us. It's as simple and straightforward a statement of faith as we can make. He is going ahead of you. Finally, As a church, Hillhead Baptist Church, community, congregation, gathering. As you look forward, and you need to look forward, we all do, we come to a place in our own personal history and our history as congregations in Scotland, post-pandemic, in a world in 2023 that is seriously and dangerously destabilised, to ask the question, so what are we here for? Who are we now? Because we're not who we were three years ago, can't be. So who are we now? And what is God calling us to do now? Well, the practicalities of that will take some working out and discerning through prayer and conversation and so much else. But there's one thing you can be quite clear about. That no matter where you go, as you make your plans, he is going ahead of you. Do you really mean that? Say it again. He is going ahead of you. As he said. And that's the promise. And the one with wounded feet and hands, who walks ahead of us, does so as the risen Lord, as the one in whom we will find life, as the one who is our hope, as the one in whom we trust, as the one whose love is such that nothing in all creation can separate us from that love. And so, drawing all of that together, to a point where we can encapsulate what it is we're trying to say about resurrection faith, let's reduce it to that one statement of the angels: "He is going ahead of you." He Amen. Amen. I quite deliberately chose as the next hymn, "The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want," because. The statement is made that this shepherd is the one who goes before us and we will put our trust in him because his endless mercy follows me. Now, wait a minute. He's ahead of us, but his endless mercies follow us. That must mean we're bracketed in the love and mercy of God in our pilgrimage in this life. Let's sing the 23rd Psalm.
0: grateful for that reminder that we have received that our lord is going ahead of us we bring our prayers for others we think of our world our global village beautiful in its variety geographical and cultural but also ravaged by conflict climate chaos greed we think of sudan of Ukraine, and so many other places that don't get much or any air on our news channels. God of the resurrection, with the multitudes of people going through incomprehensible loss, through disorientation or displacement. For these people, we cry for justice, for healing, for hope, Shoots of new life. We think of various organizations and initiatives doing their own bit to bring justice, to bring healing, to bring hope, shoots of new life. And we pray as often we do, especially for the work of the BMS. We're asked to pray specifically this week for the BMS's Mission Personnel Operations Team, as it takes a lead in supporting those who are exploring their call with BMS. We give God thanks for those who have heard God's call, for their skills to be used in some cross-cultural service. And we ask for prayers for wisdom and discernment in the application processes for the candidates, and for the BMS. As it sends people not just from the UK, but also other countries to serve God alongside their partners, let's pray that God would be raising up the right people for the right roles at the right time, in the right place. Within our Scottish Baptist family, we are still on the letter D and so we pray for Drum Chapel Baptist Church here in Glasgow and for the Reverend Don Curry, specifically in his role as a chaplain for Saltcoats Football Club, for local Royal British Legion branch and Ochen Harvey Academy. May these, our friends in Christ, know that he is going ahead of them. In our own community, we pray especially for the following people, thanking God for them and blessing each one of them as we hear their names or their roles. For the finance group, quietly doing essential work, in the background. For Edith F. For Ehsan and Anis. For Rachel F. and family. For Paul F. For Lily. For Clifford. For Laura, Dave, Rory, and Arthur. For Katrina G. For Jenny and Richard. For Barbara and family, and Hannah, Tamara, and the boys. O God of the resurrection we also bring our very selves to you we might have some idea where this week might take us but only you really know what's awaiting us may we know indeed that Christ is there ahead of us may we know that not only with our minds but with our whole being Shepherding God, we ask your blessing upon all those with whom we shall share the road this week. For those who find it hard to get going and those who never want to stop. For those who have a lot of company and those who travel alone. For those whose journey is local and those who have far to go for those whose route is familiar and those who find themselves in new, perhaps disorienting, places. God of all journeys, make us attentive to our surroundings, gentle to our fellow travelers, patient in times of delay, curious amidst changes, thankful, in all circumstances, as we travel towards you, our home. Amen.
1: Eternal God and Father, you create us by your power and redeem us by your love. Guide and strengthen us by your Spirit that we may give ourselves in love and service to one another and to you. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen.